and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us that the world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast is a collection of interviews with friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope that you leave with a boost and find your good news. As school bells begin to ring around the country, we have a special episode with a new friend, Morgan Mancini. Morgan serves as a teacher in a middle school in Connecticut, and she is such a treat. I have no doubt you'll enjoy this episode. Here we go. All right. Well, I am so excited for this next episode. Morgan and I met, I say met with air quotes, through the home turf community. And if you haven't listened to my episode with Julie Ferrer, do so after this one. But Morgan and I began talking through like a text chain and slowly we became friends. Shout out Mayor of Easttown. It's not about a bunny. But Morgan has been just such a cheerleader and we have, like I said, never met. And I am so appreciative. And she is a teacher, like I said, in the beginning at the outset. And I'm just so, I'm such a cheerleader of her infectious energy. And I want to hear more about her story. I am so grateful for Home Turf for bringing me bringing new people into our lives. So without further ado, let's go. Morgan, welcome. Thank you so much, Catherine. This is so great. I'm just really excited. I feel like, you know, we've been friends in the virtual world. We're, we're extending it into a new world and now everyone gets to hear all amazing things. So let's start with the same question I ask every guest. What is your good news? So I have a twofold yes. good news to share. So I have like the good news that I mentally prepared in the one little facet of my brain (laughs) that I know we're going to really dig into. But then I also have the good news that just developed yesterday. And that is that I went into the city for the first time in two years or so and kind of felt like a normal human being for a little while, which was really great. And I think that's kind of rejuvenated me because my real life is going to start in a few weeks too. So I kind of needed like the little pep to get ready. Yeah. Was it like busy in New York or was it kind of quiet? Like what was it like? I'm curious. Yeah haphazardly walked through Times Square, which we really didn't want to, <laughs> but it was packed like usual. Like that okay. was very much like no pandemic exists and things were kind of just status quo. Yeah. But as we kind of, I went to the Van Gogh exhibit. So as we kind of got very cool. further away from like Midtown, it was very eerie. It was like, yeah. you did not see the families walking around like you usually do. You didn't like the older people walking around it was definitely the people who were on the street definitely had a purpose and yeah. there wasn't really anybody like moseying around yeah so well, it, it must was, have been nice. interesting it was yeah nice. it was really cool it's so my funny. other oh sorry go ahead no no i was just gonna say it's funny that it's like you never thought that being in packed Times square would like feel good and i'm kind of like that sounds amazing in a weird way yeah, but we you know we're like <laughs> this is cool. Like, this is what life is supposed to be like. And then we both, I was with a friend of mine and we both looked each other and we're like, okay, we're done now. We're now going to run away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But then my other good news is that, you know, I'm going back to work really soon. I'm done for the summer. I will have my sixth group of kids at this particular school that I'm working in. And we're going back as of right now, as of the moment that you and I are talking, we're going back full time. We are going back with masks on. Yeah. 
there are still some like social distancing rules that are going to be in place. But for the most part, we are trying to make it as normal as, as possible. As an experience as possible. Yeah. yeah. And, and remind me, what grade are you teaching? So I teach six. So I teach the first group of little kids that come into middle school. Oh, they're uh, so excited. School, my school is six, seventh, and eighth. So they're really coming in and getting accustomed to a whole new way of learning and moving around a building. And, you know, they're not the big man on campus. Yeah. Like they were in <laughs> elementary school. Now they're like the little fish swimming in the really big pond. But they are, for the most part, very excited to be there. One thing that I did notice, you know, coming out of teaching through a year and a half of the yeah. pandemic is that kids are super excited to be in school, which is really fulfilling for us as teachers because yeah. it used to be the flip-flop. It used to be like we had to pull out pull all teeth. the tips and tricks yes. to get them excited to be there. And last year, we really noticed that they were really just happy to be in the building when they were in the building because... Ugh. Those days were few and far between too. <laughs> I know we're going to delve into like what last year was like. And I said this kind of before, but my mom and my sister-in-law are teachers. And I've always grown up thinking that teachers are literal heroes. But especially in the last year, the fact that you've had to be flexible, probably on a day basis of figuring out how can I engage and help these students continue to grow yeah, is very inspiring. I mean... How, how did you start as a teacher? Let's set the foundation. So I like to always kind of say that my journey wasn't like a typical teacher's journey. I went to college for education. I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I went to a school that had a teaching program built right into their, ma- into their bachelor's program. Oh, cool. Um, so a lot of schools, you will do a four-year bachelor's and then you'll have to kind of either go right for your master's and be certified or kind of do other things to get the certification that take a little bit longer. But my okay. college actually gave me my certification with my diploma. So it was all kind of wow. wrapped into one. And a lot of times people think, oh, you finished college, then you're going to go get a job. But it was not that easy for me. Yeah. I finished school in a time where they weren't hiring teachers. Um, it was kind of on a, in a little bit of a lull. So I was actually a substitute teacher for close to three years before I landed a permanent teaching spot. And when I did land that permanent teaching spot, I actually worked part-time for two years because I don't want to say that I was selective in what I wanted or where I wanted to work, but I definitely had an idea of what I wanted to set my career up to look like. Yeah. So I didn't just jump in with both feet at any school that would take me. I kind of reserved a little bit because I knew once I got to the place where I ultimately wanted to be, I wanted to stay there for a while. So it took me a little while, but I definitely think that that shaped the kind of teacher that I am because I've gotten to pull and learn from so many different experiences and from so many different people that, you know, a 22 year old fresh out of college maybe wouldn't have had if they didn't have the kind of jumbled up journey that I had. Well, and it's funny you, you like refer to it as a jumbled up journey, but to me, it's like you were along the way, like finding what was right for you. And I think it's, I've heard my mom refer to it the same way. It's like, we expect teachers to just like, and maybe I'm, if I'm speaking out of turn, I'm speaking the wrong way, but sometimes it's like teachers to get what they get and be appreciative. And so the fact that you went in and you were like, okay, I really want to find a right role and right space. Like that's how it should be, you know, like, yeah. And when I graduated college, 
And I had this, you know, I had this piece of paper that said, okay, go out and teach the youth of America. I didn't feel ready. I kind of didn't want to do a bad job. No, I didn't. I think every teacher. (laughs) Yeah. It's like every teacher is like, I, well, I think it's just such a, we have teachers growing up that were like, oh my gosh, I love this teacher. Oh my gosh, this teacher wasn't the greatest experience. And so you probably went in when you were like, I want to be the good experience. Yeah. And I also like didn't want to waste kids time. It's, you know, time is so valuable and we only have 180 some odd days to really shape their experience for the year. And I just knew that if I went straight out of the gate from college and jumped in, I would not have done as good a job if I didn't wait the few years that I waited. And I had the benefit of doing that. Um, Obviously, not everyone could wait and not get salary right away. But for me, it was something that I was able to kind of swing for a little while. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that you were pulling and learning from others along the way. Other lessons that you were like, man, I really appreciate that I was in this position when I was starting out versus being 22. Like, yeah. I'm thinking about being a teacher. So I, my first job right when I finished school. So when you finish your degree and then you finish the certification process, you student teach. So I was put into a school I student taught in an eighth grade and I actually student taught in the school where I'm currently teaching right now. So that's oh been a really God. cool experience too. And, you know, I spent 16 weeks with those kids, but 16 weeks is, it goes by in the blink of an eye. I was there from the beginning of the school year, t- school year till Christmas. Yeah. And after that, it's like, you know, I could have went out and found a job maybe a mid-year higher in January. But that's when I said to myself, no, wait the year, wait till June, yeah. kind of rev it up over the summer. And in that first kind of January to June portion is when I started subbing. And that's when I really found that to learn, you have to do. Mm. And that's something that I try to show my students as well. You're not going to just learn from sitting and looking at something. You have to physically make yourself do it. So when I was subbing, I was going into... And I teach reading. Reading and writing. Yeah. So I was not only going into reading and writing classrooms. I was in math. I was in science. I was in the gym. I was in the health room. I mean, I was doing all kinds of things and I was learning from all different kinds of teachers, not just the teachers that, you know, taught my subject per se. Yeah. And it really like, that's the thing that I tell new and up and coming teachers the most. It's like, if you have two periods of your day that you're not teaching, go into someone else's classroom and don't go into another language arts teacher's classroom, go into a math teacher's classroom, go into a science teacher's classroom because they're going to do things so differently. And that's the only way that you're going to maybe think outside the box a little bit. Man, there's so many nuggets. I'm like (laughs) seriously writing down all these different nuggets. So I'm sure that as... So to go go back to the... um, When you were subbing, were you subbing at the same school or were you subbing in other places? Were you able to build relationships with those teachers kind of throughout? And what did that teach you along the way? So I started subbing in one district because I did want to keep it small at that point. I didn't want to kind of be driving everywhere and not knowing where I was going every day. So I started subbing in one district that I was familiar with. I had um, an aunt of mine who worked in that district for 30 years in uh, the school office. Yeah. 
So I was familiar with the building just from like going with her to like their school play and yeah. setting up with her over the summer and things like that. So I started actually subbing in that school. I subbed in that school and then one other in the district for about a week. And then within that week, the middle school principal hired me full-time just to sub in their building. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Yeah. So I was in the middle school. They had a STEM program, okay, which they were piloting. I think it was the second or third year. And they took 225 kids out of the middle school, moved them into a wing of the high school in the town. And they had super specialized, smaller classes. It was a small faculty. So that's where I really got to, you know, decide what I wanted to do every single day. So that's why, you know, working in a faculty of 25, you really become close with those people. So I was in everyone's room all the time, sitting in the back, taking notes, helping them. Even when the teachers were there, they just knew that I was like a fixture in the building. So that's really really where I learned the most and found that like, okay, middle school is where it's at. Middle school is what I want to do for a while. And like I said, I was there for almost three years before I knew it was time to like spread my wings a little bit and then yeah. get out there and, and find a home. And that's how I ended up back at the school that I started in, in the first place. And so it's like a weird journey that took like, me yeah. <laughs> back to where I started, but all things considered, I think it was the, exactly the journey that Mentee. I needed to take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, and what you're, what you're saying is really making me think about, you know, you said to learn, you have to do it. And it's like, how many times in our lives are there things that we're like, yeah, we want to learn this, but actually doing it seems really scary. In the beginning, did you have like feelings of like, ah, this is overwhelming? Or how did you work through any feelings that you had when you started out? So when my current school hired me, they hired me as what they call a point, what was it? point four. So okay. a full-time teacher is a 1.0 and then it kind of decreases by two. Got so it. a point four, I taught two classes and it was really interesting to find my way in being a part of that school, but only being there for two and a half hours a day because that's all I was contracted to be there for. Yeah. But I right away knew this is where I wanted to end up. So I went above and beyond. Like I was there all day, every day, even though I was only teaching those two classes. But it definitely was an adjustment. It's, you know, walking into the building and not knowing where I was going to be every day when every other teacher has their own classroom and you're only there to teach two classes. They're not giving you a classroom. Yeah. So it was very much like finding, making friends and finding a teacher who took me in and gave me like the little corner of her room and yeah. gave me my own desk, which like is something it so, oh my it God, matters. so insignificant. But I cried over not having a desk for like two weeks. And finally, my, the head of the department, who is actually the friend of mine that I went into the city with yesterday. Yeah realized like, okay, no, she has a point. Like she needs a home. So she found me a desk and set me up and gave me a little corner. And I'll always remember that little corner as like my first home in the building. But that was definitely the biggest obstacle right away was finding my place in the school when I was really only a part-timer. It's funny. I feel like there's so many, you know, we are talking about your teaching experience, but there's so many nuggets. It's like, I'm thinking about this. It's like finding your place or finding your home. And may that be at work or in a new relationship or in a family. Like you got to find your little fit. And sometimes it's really 
terrifying. It's and terrifying. Like I have friends who have started new jobs since the pandemic yeah. that have not met a single coworker that they in, work with. In person. In person. And that to me is terrifying. But I that know. kind of, it, what I anticipate their feeling is kind of what I felt in the beginning too. It's like, you know, you have to just put yourself out there and you have to make not only I had to make not only my students know that I was going to be a permanent fixture in their lives, even though they saw me for an hour a day, but also the people that I worked with. Yeah. I wanted them to know, like, I'm going to chaperone the school dance. I'm going to <laughs> make a fool out of myself in the fashion, in the fashion <laughs> show, in the talent show. Like, I'm going to do all of these things, even though I'm not spending all day with yeah. you, like the other teachers are. So that lasted two years. Um, and they were a rocky two years because at the end of both of the years, I received a pink slip that basically was like, yeah, you have no job next year stay tuned. We'll let you know. Hopefully we can save you. It has nothing to do with your performance. It's just all like budgetary. But thankfully, both of those pink slips were shredded by August and I had a place to go back to. And then the third year is when they were able to hire me full time. So that is why this year coming up when I walk into the building in two weeks or so, I will officially have tenure, which is really exciting. And that just means that they can't get rid of me. <laughs> um, which just for someone who has had like this kind of journey, it's really like that just solidifies the fact that I made it and I yeah. can breathe for a little while. So that's really exciting. That must be really exciting. And it's, you know, it sounds like along the way that you've been able to kind of take in new approaches and take in things that you want learned along the way. Is there something now that as you're starting your sixth year, you're like I'm really excited about this, or I'm going to scrap this. Like, how do you approach it? with a new fresh idea every single year. That's something that's really hard. Yeah. Because we get kind of in the rut and the rut happens quickly in teaching because it happens to everyone. Like yeah. in my job, I'm like, oh, can I reuse the same email I used yeah. last year? So like I'm yeah. gonna take your advice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're obviously our curriculum doesn't change. It changes very infrequently. It changes probably once every five years, I wanna say. Yeah. I mean we pull new things in here and there, but like the core of what I have to teach the hundred kids that are put in front of me in the beginning of September never changes. So that is what I don't think people that are not in the education world realize that it kind of could be Groundhog Day. And I teach five classes. So I do the same thing five times a day. So okay. it's really, it's like acting. It's putting on a show because it's like, I You're can like, make this the same is the most exciting yeah. thing. <laughs> like I can make the same joke at 7.30 in the morning that I'm making at 2.30 in the afternoon and the laughs are going to be different, but it's the same thing. Okay. So I would definitely say the more that I pull in from things that I've learned on Instagram or on yeah. blogs or honestly on TikTok, are the ways that I keep it new and fresh for me. And the the easiest way I find is just to, since I teach reading, is just to yeah. pull in a ton of short stories because they're short and fast. And they are what I can use to kind of like freshen up when I'm in the monotony of the day-to-day of like, we're reading the same novel that I've read already five times the last five years. You're like, or, I can't. Yeah, or doing the same grammar practice or things yeah. like that. So short stories are where I really, for me personally, 
I find a lot of the opportunity to bring in originality in my teaching. And my school is really big. So there are like six other teachers that are teaching the same thing that I'm teaching. Okay. And theoretically, we are all doing the same thing at the same time. But that's not happening. We're all fresh and new and tailoring it to what we like. And, you know, what my coworker across the hall is doing every single day is not matching up what I'm doing every single day. And that's the beauty that we have is we get to kind of choose what works best for us. And we have a little bit of flexibility and freedom to kind of decide what's going to work best for our own our own students. I think what like is kind of coming through is like, how can we all freshen up our approach? I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's hard and I know we're going to delve into the pandemic shortly. I, I know everyone's so excited to talk about it even more, <laughs> but it's like, just like a nugget that is kind of going my brain is like, how can we freshen up our approach? Because it sounds like you're like, okay, I know that I have to do X, but Y can change. And I think there's so many things that, even yeah. when we have a pandemic, like we can try to think about freshening up that email that I was just yeah. thinking about or like yeah. whatever it may be. So I feel like that's a really good little nugget that we can yeah. leave the people. Yeah, for sure. So you talked about in the pre-show prep, how you have to adapt and grow and change because of the pandemic. Have you felt like that has been an overdrive in the last year? Like what has that experience been like? It has been probably, and I'm going to only say probably because no one knows what the future holds, but it has probably been the hardest thing that I will ever do in my career, in my professional life. But at the same time, and I've said this a, a handful of times and people have kind of looked at me sideways, I'm almost grateful for it in the sense that it has made me change and adapt and grow in ways that I don't think I would have if... It didn't happen. 100%. I feel like... I don't think... Yeah. I don't think that I would be as technologically involved (laughs) in a good way, in a good way. Um, And I also don't think that I would be going out and looking for the new and the fun and innovative as much as I am now. I think I still would a little bit, but I think that the pandemic kind of kicked that into high gear because we had no choice but to make it happen. Was so when you first went in, like in March of last year, did y'all yeah. transition pretty quickly to virtual? <laughs> like, what so, was? Did you get like a date notice? Like, no, I feel like no. I feel no like, time. I feel like we, teachers were just like expected yeah. the next day to be like, okay, you need to be proficient in Zoom, and it's so, like Zoom is not easy. No, so I'm gonna honestly look at the calendar because I can tell you the exact day. So is we it went Friday, home. March thirteenth? We went home on Friday, March 13th. Never forget, everyone. Never forget. (laughs) And they told us, stay tuned. We'll let you know what's going to happen. And I mean, we sent kids home with nothing. We sent them home with their computers, maybe, if they decided to take them home from their lockers. We didn't send them home with books or materials or anything because we were just going on a two-week vacation. We're just going to be home for two weeks. (laughs) And at that point, the month of March in the school world it's like the hellish month of the school yeah. because there are no interruptions. It's a month where you look at the calendar and there are four or five day weeks. There is not a half day. There is not a professional development day. There is not a holiday. We are going to school four days, five days a week for four weeks. So when we had all of this kind of erupt in front of us, we all kind of looked at each other like, oh, we're going to get a little break in March. Like this might be nice. <laughs> I think and everyone was thinking that. Yeah. And we went out, teachers went out. 
as teachers normally do for happy hour on that Friday. And it was kind of like eerie because we didn't want to be excited to be home for a little while. No, but no. we also were like, this is going to be kind of nice. And so it was kind of like a really weird. None really of us had feeling. any idea that we were be watching Tiger idea. King on repeat. None of it. And, and baking all the bread and knitting all the things. I did and, it. I, did I mean, it. obviously working out online and meeting new friends. Shout out home turf again. <laughs> First class free, you know. <laughs> but after that, you know, when there was finally communication to all of us, things were really challenging because legally we could not go camera to camera with our students. So because of like child privacy laws, oh. we couldn't Zoom right away and we couldn't we use Google. So we could not Google Meet right away because in a normal society before a pandemic. Yeah, you think about that. It's like you would have nope. never been allowed to be like... No. No, that's like the like the going joke for the past two years. It's like kids never thought their teachers had a first name, let alone like to see an, inside an, their houses. <laughs> yeah, to see inside their homes and like to see their pets and their animals, like things like that. So for a while, it was really like haphazardly thrown together. And what I personally did, because I didn't feel comfortable going on camera right away. So yeah. I was really doing an asynchronous way of teaching. So I was posting work and the kids were doing the work and then I was commenting on the work and got it. Um, doing everything virtual typing back and forth and not really any video. Yeah. Other teachers um, did recordings of just themselves and posted those recordings and the kids could watch them because we could go out, but the kids couldn't come back in. So we got could record it. ourselves and we could video record, audio record, um, anything like that, but there couldn't ever be the open lines of communication from us to them for that. Is that a, was that stretch. a state, was that a state thing at the time? Or was that like a federal, like, I don't, I probably should know this because I have many a friend that had kids at home, yeah. but like, I just remember it was all like, let's not talk about it. I mean, it's, def- it's definitely in Connecticut. I can tell you yeah. that because even I have friends, you know, teachers, you're all friends with teachers. So I have friends in all different districts and yeah. no one was doing live instruction to their classes for the first half of the year. And it was honestly not great. The yeah. kids didn't get anything. No, I shouldn't say anything, but the kids did not get a lot it's out of hard. it. And they yeah. really missed, they really missed out on half of their school year. And things were scary at that time. So it really, you know, nothing, there was yes. no weight held to any of the work that was being done. It was kind of just like, get it in, turn it back in. And then we'll kind of just give you the like a thumbs up that you did it. But, you know, grades weren't a big deal at that point. Yeah. Participation really fell by the wayside because we couldn't force well, them yeah. to do anything. Well, it's hard, like when you don't know about like their Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Or there's only one computer. Like, there's so many things that we just yeah. like, we're like, okay, get on a computer. It's like in my household growing up, it was like one computer. Like that yeah. was not. If there's multiple kids, like yeah, I was just like, I don't know. And there's yeah. just so many things that you get from like when a teacher's asking you a question and you like look to your person next to oh, you yeah. and you're like, did I totally miss the lesson? <laughs> like they miss out on it's that. It's so true. It's so, it, so true. In the awkward fashion, my middle school days were, you know, marked by, maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll post a photo when we do this. When we have this I almost was going to suggest Oh, yes. Because it's, it's almost too good to be true. Oh. Wait, but... 
blue glittery jeans that I just thought was it on a stick. We can talk I about will, that another I time. Will find one. I'll okay. find one for you. you can, we can post them side by side. Guys, everyone get excited and think back to your middle school days. But I, I just don't, I mean, thinking back to that time, like everyone was like so scared just to go to the grocery store. Like, I don't know how kids were taking no, all either. of that stress in and, you know. Yeah. And still trying to listen to like, the 4,000 things I was posting every day on there, like yeah. Google Classroom. So really like it served its purpose from March yes. until June of that year. And then we knew when we were coming back in the fall of 2020 that things needed to be different. So that's yeah. when this whole like hybrid learning kind of took off. Yeah. So we started school in August of okay. 2020. And we started in a hybrid model. So we had half of the kids Mondays and Tuesdays. We had the other half Thursdays and Fridays. We were all virtual on Wednesdays. But while we had those halves sitting in front of us, we also had the other half at home. Oh my gosh. So So you're like, I'm going to teach you and also type. Yeah. So I attribute it to what I think running a spaceship must be because it was like... I had a tripod camera. I had my Chromebook camera. I had my desktop computer. I had 20 kids looking at me on a screen. And they, at this point, we got all the laws taken care of. So yeah, we yeah. actually interact with them. But then I also had like 15 kids sitting in front of me in my class, in my physical classroom. Masks on, anxieties high, <laughs> tensions like running wild. Not to mention just like normal middle school nonsense oh, and hormones oh. and stress and anxiety and all the things. Please but don't it take really, me back. yeah, but it really was like a spaceship. It was like a like my principal used to walk in and just laugh hysterically because I used to say, "Welcome to my command center," because it was like three screens, a computer, a, a tripod camera, me usually with like headphones and my mask and screaming so that they can hear me underneath it. And the kids sitting in front of me spaced out looking like, where am I? What am I doing? How yeah. am I starting middle school this way? Those kids had never stepped foot oh, in the never... building. Oh my it gosh. Was wild. It really, it sounds like war. Like it sounds like a war story. You're like, is it NASA or it, yeah. is it Morgan Mancini's classroom? Classroom. We'll never know. Straight. We'll never yeah, know. <laughs> never know. And that lasted until about Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then they sent us all home. And we were home for a while. So then it was like the transition back out again. And while we were home, we did go virtual to virtual because we did get, you know, all those laws taken care of. So it was me sitting exactly where you're looking at me right now. (laughs) Very cute background, guys. Yeah, doing like the dog and pony show from my bedroom. But that was not what was best for those kids. So we got back in as soon as we could. And we went back into the hybrid half and half. But what we noticed is that some kids were choosing to stay home because they were nervous or scared. And then we were inviting some kids in for the four days that we were in person because we physically needed them there because they were slipping through the cracks. And then by, I want to say by April, we had all kids back in. I would say we were about 90% full. We had some kids that obviously opted to stay home for the whole year, but we were in and masked and safe as safe could be. And we really made the most out of it for the end of last year. That feels like we've lived seven years. And like you think about it, it's like, you talked about this in like the pre-show prep of like kids are resilient, but it's like, I can't imagine like, 
as you're saying, these kids started middle school like this, like, what do you think that the kids are like, how are they going to change? Like, what is it like for them? Like, how do y'all kind of adapt to try to make it as, I hate to use the word normal because I don't think anything is ever normal, but you know, as normal as possible for them. There are kids who are going to come out of the next, I would say two, I'm going to say two years and I'm going to give, I'm going to give that number some weight, but not a lot of weight because we've seen, you know, our country go a little backwards in the last couple of weeks. But I would say in two years, I think there are going to be a group of kids who are so leaps and bounds ahead of where they would have been if this never happened. But there are going to be even more kids that are just so incredibly far behind. And because we've never experienced anything like this that we could ever, you know, think back to, we are just pushing those those kids along for right now. And as much as we can all sit here and say, like, that's not the right thing to do. We're not giving them anything by just letting them go and making things harder and harder as they move on and not kind of backtracking and helping them in the deficits that they have. We can't have a 16-year-old in seventh grade. We need yeah. them to kind of just move on. And I think that our country and our education system are going to kind of have to change and adapt over the next probably five years, 10 years because of these gaps that we're seeing. And you think about it even before. It's like, I think about like, you know, high school. And I know high school is like kind of changing. Maybe I'm just thinking back to my experience of like, I never learned what like, taxes were no or like the dmv or like i feel like these kids are getting a crash course in like life and like maybe that's a good thing but also like oh man we're i mean we're again and we started the beginning teachers are heroes like we're asking these teachers to do something in six hours a day yeah you know or seven hours a day that like there's 18 other hours in the day yes they should be sleeping but you know what i'm saying like We're also asking, we're asking kids to do so much. Yes. And that's why taking a step back from all of the madness and all of the stuff that we have to do, you know, on paper has been my biggest takeaway over the last year. And like I said earlier, I have my curriculum. I have what I have to get through. I have the content and the standards that I have to hit, but I also have a hundred kids who have been in a mask for two years or have been stuck at home and forced inside that if it's 70 degrees outside on a May afternoon, I'm taking them outside. Yeah. And it's, I walked through, I walked through (laughs) kids can be kids, you know, I walked through target earlier today and they had a ton of their summer stuff on clearance. And I made a note, a mental note in my head. And I said, come back. I'm not ready to really think about going back yet, even though it's fastly (laughs) approaching, but I said, come back in the next couple of days. Because I need to buy all new chalk and footballs and, and bubbles and like all these things. Bubbles, like, <laughs> things like that, that you're like a person who's not in the world that I'm in will say, oh, really? An 11 year old, a 12 year old is going to play with chalk and bubbles. No, but I cannot tell you the excitement that came on those kids' faces when it started to get nice out and we all started to go outside because it was the one place where we could take our masks off and we could see our whole face and to see their expressions. And the crazy thing is we have kids who, we said we said this all year last year, that looked so different with their masks on yeah. versus without their masks on that if we saw them like pre-pandemic or post-pandemic with no masks on, we yeah, wouldn't recognize them. So we really said like, 
go. We said, we are going outside. We, I'm saying we, like my little yeah, yeah. teachers, but like, we all decided that our content can wait, our standards can wait, our, you know, math problems and tests and quizzes, they could all wait. When those nice days popped up all last year, we, we were out and we were having fun and playing and letting them be kids because they've had so much robbed of their childhood. I mean, that's like, I'm, you know, getting teary, but it's like, that's what matters. Like teachers, like we need more teachers like Morgan, like let it be her first, because it's like, I think we all have gotten stuck sometimes in the last year of being like, we need to do this, but it's like, sometimes we just need to like color or, yeah. you yeah. know, I have a niece and nephew and I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, they grew up and they like, were, it was normal for masks. Like yeah. that is, blows my mind. Yeah. It's really, it's just really sad. It's really heartbreaking, but that's like, it's a metaphor for everything. And this is what I've loved so much about listening to your podcast over the last few weeks is that, you know, you've interviewed all of these people who are not in any world. Like I'm like the one I'm talking about right now, but there's like this common thread we've been through. And it's like, we all have realized that we just need to take a step back and we need to look at the bigger picture and we need to just start, you know, thinking about things differently and having more fun and, thinking outside the box and taking the good that comes with all the bad. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's something that I'm going to continue for as long as I ever, as long as I work until the day I retire, which is probably going to be never. But <laughs> I, I feel like teachers don't ever want to retire because there's always another student. There is. Yeah, there is. Well, I so appreciate that. That is just always been my hope is like that someone can, it's not to negate like, this has been the wildest year that we never asked for. But I think that my hope is someone leaves feeling a little more full and they can be better in their own lives. And I feel like that's kind of like a perfect way to end this puppy. Thank you so much. Teachers are heroes, full stop. I am so glad we got to talk through her experience over the last year and what teaching has taught her both professionally and personally. If you liked, please share, subscribe, leave a review, and join me next week for another episode of the Your Good News Podcast.